Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 42, as Andy and I are back to discuss the New York Rangers, where they stand right now in the standings, uh, you know, their upcoming month, and especially this week being uh, one of the bigger weeks of the season, and the trade deadline is approaching soon, so there's kind of a lot to talk about, And uh, but first I gotta ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good, ready? To watch, uh, I'm, it's weird that I'm excited that the Rangers are on a road trip right now because they've been at. It seems like they've been at home mostly for the last little stretch here, uh, and just knowing what we know about road trips, it's good for team bonding and getting the the guys to feel closer together. It's definitely where teams kind of test their metal because it's you know it's easy to mount comebacks with the uh, well easy is a relative term, but it's easier I'm sure for teams to mount comebacks when they have the support of their home crowd and just get a better feeling and feel comfortable at their home rink. But obviously the road is a different animal. So, um, we, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see how the Rangers, uh, I guess how they carry themselves on this little road trip, um, that they have going on here. Yeah. So, you know, we're recording this right now on a Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon. And the New York Rangers played the New Jersey Devils Friday night and had a big 3-1 win. Again, Igor was outstanding. The Rangers uh, find a way to pull ahead and stay ahead, which was huge for them. And a big two points in the standings as, uh, of course, Pittsburgh and Carolina playing each other. Uh, they dished out a uh, three points, which was the worst case scenario for the New York Rangers. But that's, you know, par for the course. And you knew that was going to happen. Uh, they start the road trip tonight. Uh, at 7 p.m., we're lucky that they you know start a little bit uh, earlier today, but they have a 7 p.m. game against the Winnipeg Jets, and the next three games after that are all on the road. But you know, first I kind of want to talk about the the Devils game because I feel like I, I don't know Andy, but I feel like after watching that Devils game, there was almost like a tipping point with just Ranger fans in general, knowing that the trade deadline is approaching. And that game was an example of why we need to bring in uh, more assets and need to make moves because the Devils are not a very good hockey team, although they do play good hockey against us. Um, you know, we're worried about our depth 
we don't really know what we have in a third line. And I know we kind of beat a dead horse talking about these things, but I mean, let's face it. I mean, this is the reality that we're up against. And, you know, the New York Rangers, you know, I, I know the fans don't feel like we should ever struggle against bad teams in the standings, but I kind of see what they're saying as in, you know, let's kind of get the gears going here. Um, you know, I, I just, I just want to hear your thoughts on the devil's game and then we can kind of get into, you know, uh, their overall future of the New York Rangers. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because the, it's not like the Rangers gave up a crazy amount of shots, but for what they, for the most part of that, the game against the devils, they kept them to the outside, but every now and then they would just stop skating or, someone would make a mistake and go to the wrong side and the devil would just walk right into the slot and have a, a grade A chance on Igor. So it was kind of strange. It didn't feel like they ever got really bombarded or outplays. The devils clearly got some high quality looks because of some weird brain farts. And I just thought uh, the Rangers just not stepping up and up enough, which continues to be an issue and just kind of allowing the devils to attack the zone and enter, you know, cross into the slot with speed. But yeah, I mean, I didn't. It didn't feel like it was an onslaught by any means, and the Rangers clearly got their chances too. But uh, Gallant did not seem happy after the game. I don't, which it was interesting because I usually feel like fans are usually upset, like oh they got so outplayed, they're lucky, and then you know Gallant is usually like oh well, you know, obviously it's hard. You don't want to cr- always critique a win, but but where this one, he was actually seemed like you know, it seemed like he wanted to get the message across that he's not happy that how many it's like, all right, listen, obviously you're going to, there's definitely nights you're going to need your goaltender to bail him out, but he felt like it's getting a little too, um, yeah, it's getting to be a little too, too much that they rely on him too much. And I, you know, it's weird in a, in a weird way. That's kind of how I feel about this Rangers team. Cause no matter what team they've played this year, and I kind of always feels like the same game. If that makes any sense, it's like you watch I Colorado. totally agree. You watch Colorado and you, I mean, obviously not so much maybe against the, um, no team has it 100% of the season. You're going to have off nights, but for the most part, you watch some of the, the, the best teams in the league just basically dominate the bottom teams. And then, you know, just based on how, just the talent disparity, but the Rangers, it's weird. Like they play the the Buffalo Sabres or the Devils or, um, the Coyotes, and it feels like a really close game. Doesn't feel like they're necessarily outmatched. It just seems like, oh man, it's like kind of evenish. And then they play the St. Louis Blues or the Florida Panthers, and yeah, obviously they get hemmed in their zone a lot. But it's like it doesn't necessarily feel like they can't. They're not capable of skating with them. It's just, I guess, it's one of the quirks of this team where they just kind of. They always have the same mentality. It's like, all right, just keep them on the outside and, you know, don't get walked. So you let them enter the zone, but whatever. But, and, you know, you can, I guess most people would say that's a bad thing, but at the same time, their record and how comfortable they seem to be in these situations it could be a good thing. Who knows? And again, you're getting a uh, possibly one of the greatest seasons of all time to date by a goaltender, if, you know, with Igor as if, if this holds up the rest of the season. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with Gallant. You don't want to make a habit out of letting, of just letting, making sure Igor bails you out every night, because obviously in the playoffs, that's not how 
But at the same time, I, I don't know, man. Is there something to be said about letting Igor feel the puck a little bit and get I, work his way into games instead of just kind of like do it perfect and then someone breaks in and he's just not, he's essentially cold? I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of like one of those well, weird things, you know? Well, I, I, no, I definitely agree. And, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you here, you know, looking at the career that Hank had and, you know, a lot of the games that he would get very passionate about were the close knit games where the Rangers would get hemmed in their zone and they'd give up a few chances. And you can see by the body language that it would upset Hank and, you know, he would, you know, kind of chirp at the bench or, you know, he, you know, skate over to a defenseman and kind of get into his ear a little bit, basically saying, you know, come on, guys, let's get this, you know, let's get the puck out of the zone. Let's let's play in the other end. Um, I don't get that sense with Igor. In fact, I almost feel like Igor enjoys those flurry of shots where, you know, there's a few chances or a big rebound and, and, you know, he's able to cut across the net. Like, I almost feel like he gets a high from making those saves. And the more he does that, I feel like the more he's in, enters this zone of confidence and it helps him, you know, throughout the rest of the game. Um, obviously you don't want to give up grade A chances because, you know, the guys in this league are just too good and they will be able to be any goaltender. doesn't matter if it's Igor or, or, uh, you know, the, uh, Kincaid, you know, it doesn't matter, but, you know, yeah. And I guess my question is for you, you know, given the fact that the Rangers so far this year have kind of given off a vibe that, yeah, they have great goaltending just like they did with Hank, but they also kind of rely on it a, a bit. But don't don't you feel like there's just a difference between Igor and that and Hank and that? And obviously, don't get me wrong, I'm probably being biased here that Hank probably was just fed up towards the end of his career, not really wanting to deal with these constant flurry of shots and facing, you know, close to 45 shots a game. So, um, yeah, do, do you feel like there's a difference? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I do remember uh, Igor giving Hayek the business <laughs> or mm. a, a mindful a couple of games ago because of a, a stupid breakdown and turnover in, behind the net in the corner. But at the same time, I don't. I think he's got it. Clearly, is a much longer fuse than Hank, um, and also the situation is a little bit different. Lundqvist had agreed to stay on for the rebuild, and a part of it was coming to grips with the team in front of him was uh, not as good as the teams he had played behind the few seasons before when they were in the middle of the, the peak of their contention window. So, yeah, the situation is, I, I think, a little bit different. But at the same time, hold on, my dog is going crazy because the someone's delivering something. Rory, knock it off. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think Igor is a little bit more fiery than we might give him credit for or think. But at the same time, he's clearly a lot more... I don't think he's adds as wears his heart on his sleeve as much as Hank did with the constant facial facial expressions. And I mean, you know, in fairness, that's probably that's part of what made Hank so great. It was his compete level that when he got dialed in, um, you just kind of knew he wasn't going to give anything up or he was going to battle and be a beast, at, you know, in scramble situations and never give up on shots. Uh, whereas Igor, I think it's a little bit more of a flow state kind of thing not so much driven by this weird passion, but just by this constantly reading the play and being set and being square and just kind of not letting things shirk you. Cause I mean, after you saw his body language after the three consecutive uh, goals on three consecutive shots against the blues and he kind of, when the, the, the second intermission, uh, you know, uh, whistle went, 
he was kind of stayed in his crease a little bit. You see, he was collecting his thoughts. He was clearly upset, but he came back in that third period and he was great. And he just, unlike Lundquist sometimes, where it would be hard for him to mentally reset. I feel like Hank was either unbeatable or he just didn't have it. Whereas I think Igor can have bad stretches and then, um, you know, if he, or you know, he can be good, he can have a weak moment, but then he can recover mentally and just get back to what he was doing before, which is great. You know, you have to have a short memory to be a goaltender. Definitely. So, uh, but again, in fairness to Hank, obviously the, the, his body work speaks for itself and the sample size with Igor is still admittedly very small and he's having a great season this year. It's hard to know if he will, he's only really, you've had two, two years really of actual solid body of evidence. So it'll, and you know, with different circumstances, so it'll be hard to know if maybe later this season or next season, if he's just inexplicably uh, a little off at nights or he's just not this consistent. Cause I mean, we've, you know, we've seen that's most goaltenders right there, but right now just the way he is right now in this season it's just even when they lose you know even if he does everything right and they lose one nothing you know off of a power play goal that kind of gets chipped in or something that he has no chance on it's he doesn't really kind of let it rattle him so or at least he doesn't carry things over into the next game where i feel like some a lot of goaltenders do much like you know we look at how jack campbell who was on fire to start the season has now fallen off completely for the maple leafs and even lundquist like he would have stretches of up and down either dominant stretches feeling really good about his game and he's passionate about it and then times where he just was clearly fighting it but you know even if igor is inconsistent um maybe some games he's more superhuman than others but i mean this season he's been superhuman more than he hasn't and if he has maybe a, a softy in a game, the next game he's not giving it up. So that's kind of what we saw back to back with the Blues and the and the Devils. All right. I mean, yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting here. Uh, you know, the trade deadline is March twenty first, and you know, for me, Andy, you know, I know the Rangers are gonna make moves. It's just a matter of when. Um, but there is one player in particular that I do want to shine the spotlight on. A little bit because this he was one of the players that I was kind of referring to when I said there was almost a turning point. Uh, you know, I just felt like there was just a turning point either on Twitter, just the vibes and everything um, about Ryan Strom. And I feel like instead of a 50 50 split, it's now more people want him out of here than want to keep keep him. I just want to hear your thoughts. You know, obviously, he takes a really late game, close game. He takes a bad penalty. And then he comes out of the box and has a chance to redeem himself a little bit and misses the net completely, which has been an ongoing theme as of late with Ryan Strom. Uh, I know he plays a valuable position. He clearly has, you know, uh, he's a, a wingman role to the Panarin line. I just, uh, I just don't know if that if that's enough to kind of save him. Um, I just, I want again, I want to get your thoughts now that the Devils game has been played. If, you know, anything for you has changed with regards to Ryan Strong, because for me, I feel I feel like the tide is turning against him real quick with just, you know, you know, just Ranger fans in general. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, and I think I mentioned this last podcast, Ryan Strom, the situation is you have a, a player who's clearly not perfect. It's not the perfect second line center, but and yes, he he shanks shots and has had some some blunder misses but 
the same time, I mean, he is one of the only few players on this team who has been scoring goals over the last 10 games. Lord knows the problems the Rangers bottom six has putting the puck in the net. Uh, so right now, like I mentioned last week, it's kind of it's the best they have. I think obviously it's always easier to say the grass is always greener and it very well might be because, I mean, he's having a it just seems that he's have even though he's having the has the occasional goal or nice pass here and there that leads to a goal. Um, you just kind of see some of the issues in his game. Um, I think Ranger fans are saying we need someone who is definitely more responsible. I just worry if you put someone, uh, you know, if so you put if you let's say we tra- you trade Ryan Strom and you put someone who's definitely a more stout defensive player maybe you don't give up as much but this is a team that already has trouble trouble uh scoring goals five on five and is there any guarantee that if you uh, the rangers go out and get an andrew cop or something like that or for whatever reason if they decide to trade strom in season which i still maintain i doubt is happening he's a, that's an off-season move um that yeah that it's they're gonna have the same uh offensive potency even if strom is a you know, makes you, you know, smack your, your, your palm, your forehead, you know, twice or three times a game. But I will say this, I, I do think that the stretch he's having right now, maybe it, it does has management. We've already heard from most of the Arthur Staple and Larry Brooks and most of the Rangers beat that there is at least a desire to see, to talk to Strom and see what he wants for his next contract and see if it's palatable. But if it isn't, I mean, and I think the more you watch him go through a rougher stretch, I would imagine maybe Chris Drury says to himself, well, all right, well, I'm definitely not going past this number, whereas they may have been on the fence before. Um, yeah, the fans are, I get it. Like, I understand what the thing is, the fans. I mean, this team is winning, so it's definitely hard to nitpick too much, but um, it's weird. It's, it's like, it's almost like the guy who does good things, but also noticeably good things and also noticeably bad things might not get as much flack as uh, a Julian Gauthier or a Philip Heedel, although Heedel did score last game, which was great, who doesn't have as many flashes of doing anything, but you don't notice him good or bad. You know what I mean? And he's young, so he's got that, he's got kind of got that magic, uh, that magic bean type uh, protection from fans where he's like, oh, he could still turn it around. Where Strom, he kind of is what he is. So, yeah, I mean, I I do still, I I feel like Strom is going to get moved in the offseason and then hopefully that comes at with whatever pieces the Rangers add this trade deadline, whether it's a rental for a season or two or a more long-term ad, they can at, at least then between the maturation of their younger players and um, additions via trade or free agency, they can shore up maybe some of the offensive firepower you would lose in Strom. But yeah, he's fighting it right now as is Panarin. But that being said, Panarin has looked like crap some at some games the last few weeks and then he still ends up with like two or three points so it's like yeah that kind of shows his brilliance hoops fans the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA is too good to pass up I'm talking about between the legs 360 windmill good new customers can bet just one dollar on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win it's that simple if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you can still take your shot at a big payday, as everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now 
Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. Well, yeah, but it also, too, you know, if Panarin struggles, it's Strom's fault. Like, that's just the way it's going to go. And that's the problem with having a guy like Ryan Strom center, uh, you know, on Artemi Panarin is that, you know, Panarin won't be able to do any wrong and it's going to be Strom's fault. Like Panarin needs to, you know, almost fail playing with other guys that are playing really well uh, before people, you know, kind of just say like, hey, what the hell's going on here? But like you said, I mean, even Panarin's worst games, he's still able to get a point or two or even three. Um, and he's still so lethal on the power play. It's just unbelievable. Um, you know, just when he has the puck, how everything just kind of slows down, uh, him, you know, Fox is like that too. It's just, they're, they're unbelievable when they get the puck. Uh, um, you know, the last question I kind of have, you know, regarding trades and everything like that, you know, from what you're seeing, you know, on the message boards and just the gossip columns. You know, do you see the New York Rangers uh, participating in a in a big splash? And when I say, you know, a, a, a big splash, I kind of mean, you know, bringing in like a Shifley or or, you know, obviously I think the Drew talks have kind of died down and there's only a few places where he's willing to go. But, you know, a player in that regard, you know, Pavelski, do you see the Rangers making a bigger move or do you really think that, you know, Drury is not going to, you know, start selling everything for rentals or, you know, um, you know, I, I just, you know, for me personally, I'll state my opinion after that, but I, I really want to get, you know, what you're seeing out there in terms of, uh, you know, what the Rangers plan on doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, Elliot Friedman, um, in a few radio hits and also on his own podcast has mentioned that the belief is that Drury does want to, uh, make a big swing and really go for it, not squander the season they're getting out of Igor, even though there might be an internal belief or just around the league that this is a team that was supposed to be in the spot two seasons from now, but their timeline has been accelerated a little bit thanks to Igor's outstanding play and that you can't squander those opportunities. Uh, we've mentioned the cap space they have. Um, so they do have the room to at least bring in either a big you know, a big rental, even if for this season, um, and if they really do feel like they want to go for it, um, obviously in the future with various players needing, um, needing new contracts and just, you can't pay everyone. Right. So they have some tougher decisions. The crunch is coming, but at least they have a lot of cap space open this season. Uh, one thing that I've seen that's, it feels interesting is that there seems to be a belief that I forget who was who said that it might have been it might have been Darren Drager or someone on insider trading um, just saying that the Rangers, because they have so much open cap space that they're they've made it known that they would be willing to 
help teams uh, basically launder salary for in for assets in like a three way trade. And I, what I mean by that is like let's say there is a team that is trading. You know, if if let's say a team like uh, not Vegas because I guess they're up against it, but for whatever reason, let's say the Colorado Avalanche want Claude Giroux, but they don't want his current cap hit. Um, they would be the Rangers would be willing to take on an asset from, you know, from from a team like the Avalanche to to take to trade for Giroux, take fifty percent of his uh, his salary, you know, and then trade him subsequently to the Avalanche, right? So, and who knows that might come as a that might come in the form of a, a draft pick. It might come in the form of a player, a future player, either a prospect or um, just a player, you know, maybe a good role player who that could help them now. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the way they approach it. Cause if they do that, um, cutting into your, you know, then you would most likely believe that then the Rangers are just going to kind of go more of the way of the, the, uh, the depth pieces, your Arturi Lekkanens and your, you know, your Brandon Hagels and those type of players or your Sherrods, I guess, hopefully not. But, um, it'll be interesting. Cause I mean, I would also that, you know, that would that's a definitely an unexpected, but interesting way to use the cap space they have. Right. Um, and that just gives them might potential or might potentially, if they feel like they can make the money work, that might also potentially give them the, a, an extra piece to throw in for another asset that they want to acquire, you know, at the, you know, this trade deadline. So, you know, I, I've it's been Drury's been linked to everyone, so I guess that leads me to believe that he's just doing his due diligence and checking on everyone. There was a report that the sellers are getting impatient because all the buyers are kind of in this holding pattern because a lot of them a don't have cap space except the Rangers. Um, so they're kind of a want to see when does the first domino fall and who's going to set the market with the first trade or, or at least set the prices of the market. Uh, so well, yeah, it'll be interesting. To- well, no, go ahead. Please. Not to interrupt you, but that's what exactly what I kind of felt with Toffoli. You know, I thought, you know, if I'm the next person up, right, and re- looking to buy, I'm going to wait as long as possible because I want that Toffoli, you know, trade to be fall, you know, pretty far in the past and, and not have uh, anybody, you know, keep referring to that as, you know, the basis of what people are going to be trading for. Because, you know, me personally, I thought, you know, he was, I couldn't believe what he, they got for him. So, um, yeah, I, I I kind of agree. If I'm if I'm a buyer, I'm just going to wait it out and and try to you know wait as long as possible, unless you know exactly who you want. And and you know, Andy, what you talked about you know a little bit with the Rangers, you kind of don't know what which path they're going to go on. I feel like because we don't know and because there's no clear cut answer and there's so many ways to go about it, I do feel like the Rangers are going to be a little bit conservative here at the trade deadline. Only because, you know, if there's a bigger name out there, I feel like in the past the Rangers has always gone for that bigger name and it doesn't always work out. And, you know, and I don't feel like they're a big name player away from winning a Stanley Cup. I think there are three, four people that, you know, maybe three or four different guys that can fill in that middle six or bottom six that could put them over the top. And I'm not saying to win a Stanley Cup, but I'm saying to win a round. And I think that's the most important thing to realize that, you know, I would almost rather the Rangers hold on to some special a- assets, um, maybe trade a couple picks 
uh, you know, and bring in guys that are kind of just more like role players, like, you know, trades where you're just like, why the hell would you even bring in this guy for? He's not going to do anything. It's like, exactly. He's not going to do anything except, you know, play, you know, 13 minutes a game. And, you know, their underlying statistics is that, you know, they don't give up anything and, or, you know, they, they add a, a different element to that third line where they're able to, you know, grind out more shifts in the offensive zone. And, and hopefully in that, if that's the case, you know, they score more goals, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do. I really don't. And the more articles I read, you know, I'm afraid that the Rangers are going to pull a trigger on a rental. I, I'd rather concentrate on building for the next couple of years rather than, you know, renting out. And I know we have the cap space, but you know, for me, it's like, I don't want to, you know, fuck with the mojo. I just kind of want to get, get our guys in line and prepare for what this team is going to be. And, and there's a time and place for the rental players. And I just don't think, you know, with this team, this is the time, you know, you have too many guys that are playing important roles and you have, you know, uh, you know, we're finally getting really good hockey out of, Lafreniere and and hopefully Kako will be back, which is almost like an addition at the trade deadline anyway. So hopefully he comes back, you know, towards the end end of the month. Uh, you don't even know really what's wrong with him. Uh, you know, there's even rumors that Sammy Blay might may be available in a second round of a playoff series. So there's another guy that you you know you got to keep circled. And you know I don't, you know I I don't know how Chris Drury is going to handle his you know first real big moment as GM of the New York Rangers. So I think it would, I'm tending to believe that they're going to be a little bit more conservative than maybe fans want, emotional fans want. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that is true. Uh, it's, you know, un- well, I, I don't want to say unfortunately, cause it's just, it's, a, it'll be surprising either way because the Rangers have always been a little bit played things a little bit closer to the vest. And I feel like Drury even more so where at least Gorton, there seemed to be some transparency within the organization uh, or a little bit more, but I think Drury is a little bit old, more old school that nothing gets in or out. And that's just obviously the way Glenn Sather likes it. So uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, It'll be interesting. The Rangers have had a lot of scouts (laughs) uh, out, but as do all teams, but you know, tonight, the Rangers playing Winnipeg. They've been linked to Andrew Kopp. Um, we've heard Shifley, so it'll be interesting to watch just to, I don't know, I'm sure Rangers fans will be paying attention to those two players uh, during this game, and one would be considered a bigger ad than the other, but I would definitely rather them go after an Andrew Kopp than a Mark Shifley. But, uh, you know, I mean, there are still some pundits that still maintain that the Rangers are are hot and heavy for to bring back JT Miller even though there is a lot of talk about uh Vancouver being really torn about whether or not to, to even take calls on him just because he's clearly the engine that drives this team right now he's kind of emerged even though he's not the captain he's kind of emerged as more of the the, the heart the beating heart of that team and more of what they need and that's a guy they might want to even though he but may just maybe to have some of that rub off onto or the work or whatever the the drive the motivation the ethic to rub off on their younger players so yeah there's a lot of that so but that you know it's been also said that they would much rather move on from Brock Besser and like Connor Garland and these types uh before they even hell I think they'd probably want to trade Bo Horvat before they'd trade JT Miller you know 
I think the belief right now is that Miller is really the de facto leader on that team, despite Horvat wearing the C. So, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just honestly, I, I, if you had to, it's this is one's tough for me. I can't even trying to put a uh, a percentage on it. I, I'm I'm fifty fifty between them doing just more depth pieces or taking a big swing. You know, I still think it's, it ends up being two players minimum. I think even if let's say they do go after someone really impressive or I say impressive or, or someone who caught, you know, a, maybe a bigger ticket uh, player that they will still make a small ad possibly in the, you know, or a, a cheaper ad. Hell, I feel like Phil Kessel still is only there. I feel like the coyotes are like, just give us a third and we'll give you Phil Kessel. And like teams don't want to do it for whatever reason, which is really wild. So. Well, well, that's another thing too. It's like, you know, it, the other teams also, obviously, around the NHL, there, there's going to be buyers and there's going to be sellers, right? And I feel like in the East, you know, teams like Pittsburgh, Carolina, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I don't know. Like, you, you take a guy like Phil Kessel. Like, who's going to take Phil Kessel? Like, who can, like, I feel like the Rangers are like the only one in the East that really could take him. Uh, you know, I don't know if Detroit's really going to be, like, Detroit's not going to be big buyers. Like, Columbus is not going to be buyers. Um, you know, I don't know what, you know, Washington, Boston and Pittsburgh are going to do as in like their older teams, they kind of have, you know, you know, the mentality that, you know, maybe the, the light is dimming on their opportunity to make cup runs. I don't know if they're going to just try to go all out and just blow up any future that they have and try to bring in a couple of pieces that might put them over the top. I mean, I don't know. And, you know, I, it's like Tampa going to try to do something after winning two Stanley cups. Like, obviously we know Toronto is going to go for it because they feel like, you know, how, how can they not with the way, you know, players like Austin Matthews are playing. So the East is so weird. Cause I feel like for as many teams that are contending, I just don't know how available they are to create cap room and make a big splash. I just don't know. Whereas in the West, I feel like, you know, obviously Colorado is going to have a big ad, you know, getting Giroux would be huge for them. Um, you know, St. Louis, obviously, they, they're in their own fields. They they think they're contenders. Uh, you know, Minnesota is obviously going to be on the on the hunt to bring in some, you know, some big names. Uh, Calgary, you know, with the Toffoli trade. And then you got teams like L.A. that can certainly make a move. They're like the Rangers of the West where they you know, surprised where they're, they're at right now in the standings. And, you know, they might just be like, fuck it, you know, let, let's reward these guys and bring in a couple assets and, you know, try to make a run here. And, you know, Vegas, obviously bringing in Eichel. And then, you know, that's kind of the wild card situation. You have, you know, Vancouver, Edmonton, Dallas, Nashville, Anaheim, you know, Winnipeg's right there. Obviously we think they're going to be sellers, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's just interesting because I feel like, I'm expecting this huge trade deadline where players are flipped. Everyone's going everywhere. But I, the more I look at these teams, it's like, I, I don't, I feel like it's going to be a couple teams, maybe make a big move. And then everyone else is just kind of going to share up their rosters and just add maybe a few depth players. Because at this point you get to the playoffs, it's a coin flip on some of these matchups. It really is. So, you know, you know, Andy looking around the league, is there a team more so the East that you think is going to make like a huge move? Because, you know, I can't really see it. Maybe Toronto, uh, Florida, yeah, are they I, I able to say, 
I would say Toronto is strikes me as a team that might also be hot and heavy on a player like Miller. I mean, that's the other thing though. It's like who are the real big who are the the big fish on the that could really change your fortunes? Claude Giroux, uh Pavelski if he's made available, that still remains to be seen. Uh I guess Mark Shifley if we even know if he's available. And JT Miller, we have no idea. I mean, Brock Besser is a good piece who could be was probably being going to be made available. I I assume he's going to get traded to like Pittsburgh or something, but we don't know um, what the Sharks are doing. They have some big pieces that they could. Yeah, I mean, we know Raquel is is a name that's yeah. out there, um, and the Rangers have been linked to him as well. Him and Zibanejad have played together before, and they had some pretty nice chemistry. It seemed uh, he is pretty. He's a you know very talented goal scorer on a team that is maybe not the best this year, but is still pretty good. And he's you know I think he's still trending for around a thirty goal season, twenty eight goal season, or whatever. So he. Might be a good ad, but at the same time, he seems like he's not maybe the he's more of a goal scorer, which is good, but he's might not be the most uh, stout two way player, which it seems like the Rangers are kind of looking to shore up a little bit. So, yeah, it's it's definitely tough when I look around the league because it's like. Yeah, I mean, it's like it seems like there's a lot of big fish that may or may not be available. We know we know Giroux is is potentially available but at the same time he it seems that he's really torn because he want i the belief is that he at least wants to play a thousand games for philly which is coming up i think in a week or two here um and also yeah who knows i mean patrick kane has been made it no said numerous times he wants to retire as a black hawk whether or not the team grants him that honor or says listen we got to get something for you which does it force Kane to use his no trade clause? It's, it's hard to know. We know uh, there's a report that the Avalanche checked in on whether or not Kane was available. Um, we know Mark Andre Fleury went to the Blackhawks and said, "I don't want to be traded," so he's out. So that's a one less goaltender on the market. It's it's a really weird trade deadline this year because usually it's there's just the guy here are the guys that are in play and here are the guys you know or whatever. But where it, there's a lot of more gray area this year and. It's yeah, and I you also hear a lot of hemming and hawing from teams because they can't decide because there's if they trade that player basically signifies they're rebuilding. Like Winnipeg's in right. a real flux flux right now, who the Rangers play tonight, and we've heard that they're they're kind of torn about do they want to talk extent is this a year an aberration for them with everything that went wrong and. Uh, their coach stepping down. Do they want to re-sign Andrew Kopp or not? It's there's a lot of teams I feel that are in that situation, especially if they're right on the outside looking in. Um, you know, and they're like I said, teams like you could say the Sharks, the Flyers, the Jets that have been trying to prolong their window, but it's clear they're now where the Rangers were prior to sending out the letter, where it was closing on them, and they were just trying to do everything they could to keep it open. They're there. It's almost like for for the trades start happening, they have to have the come to Jesus moment that they're like, you know what? It's just better to just get this started now. And which is funny because, I mean, you know, if in a lot of ways you look at the the way the Rangers were able to turn around and yes, that there's a special circumstance between getting Adam Fox and Panarin only wanted to come here. And um, but yes, I mean, it's just some of these teams, the writing is on the wall. It's just but it's really hard because I think a lot of GMs feel that the second they do that, that their their jobs are in jeopardy. Or especially if you look at Ken Holland, I mean, 
your job is in jeopardy, not only because you were brought in to save the franchise, you were brought in to make sure Connor McDavid doesn't go anywhere. And as we record this podcast, the Oilers on the outside looking in. So, uh, yeah, it's a weird one and it's kind of definitely hard to gauge. Um, you're going to see a, probably a lot of middle six and second line players get moved, but the big fish, it's a lot of teams are still, there hasn't, there's not a lot of concrete reports that these guys are out there, you know? So it's a, I don't know. It's been a weird, hard one for me to gauge. Yeah. And then, you know, I even see players like Max Domi's names being thrown around and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know where all these players are going to end up because I, I, you know, I wish I knew a little bit more about, you know, some of the, you know, uh, contenders caps situation, but I feel like, you know, are, are they ready to bring in a max Domi to like put them over? It's like, I feel like they're at the top for a reason. Why, why fuck it up? You know? So, um, yeah, no, it's tough, Andy. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, we're just going to have to be patient here, especially as New York Ranger fans. And, I think it's even more annoying this year, you know, waiting for something to happen because we are one of those teams that, you know, we know we're eventually going to make some sort of move. Uh, you know, it, it would I would be completely shocked if the Rangers don't do, you know, anything. I mean, even with the cap space, you might I, I would, you know, at least eat someone else's cap space for a couple picks or something Do do something. So, um, you know, I mean, that's really all I have. Andy. you know, we start a road trip uh you know going uh out west uh let's see we have we have the jets minnesota st louis dallas and then we have a couple days off to come back home you know this is going to be a tough week for the new york rangers you know they play every other night uh they're playing against some really good teams here you know especially the minnesotas and the st louis right there and you know dallas is you know desperate for points and you know kind of figuring out what the their fate uh is going to be out there in the west so you know the Rangers are going to have their work cut out for them. They got to stay healthy. They got to come together and get, you know, stay two and two at least. Uh, you got to, you know, outpace the Washington Capitals right now. Stay in that third spot. You don't want to drop down at all or, you know, lose any um, any gap right there and, and point differential with them. Uh, you know, the one thing, Andy, though, I kind of wanted to end with, uh, if you don't have anything else Rangers related, but this is Rangers related. But I wanted to say, you know, I wanted to hear your thoughts on Rick Nash getting his number, you know, put up in the Raptors for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, it's definitely well deserved. I I see a lot of um, there are definitely a lot of Rangers fans that were bitter over Rick Nash's tenure here. Um, I mean, much like other Rangers signings. You got a player who wasn't exactly, they traded for a player who wasn't exactly in their prime anymore. Although he did give the Rangers a 40, what, 41, 42 goal season. So, and yeah, and I mean, and some obviously some pretty good moments. It's just the concussions had clearly just changed his style of play and had kind of, it just, it made him least effective. Because when I still think of Rick Nash, I still think of, the one man army Rick Nash in Columbus for all those years where literally guys were draped all over him and he was just literally making his way to the net, just covered in defenders and just, there's nothing that you could do to stop him. And it's just, unfortunately he too many blows to the head kind of had to change the way he played the game. He couldn't really do that as much. Um, I think in a lot of ways, if, because you know, he, he came into the league in the early two thousands. I think if he came into the league five years later that the, um, just the change to the rules uh, that came 
just yeah, you know, just just the the cracking down on things like that hits to the head and cross checks and things of that nature. I think he would have been an even more dominant player. And also, you just he literally, if you look at the rosters of those Columbus teams for the first decade he was there, it is a horror show. Like he literally had no one. The fact that they made the playoffs once <laughs> in his entire decade there was insane. Because that yeah, it's just literally a bunch of nobodies. So. I mean, I, I think he gets he gets kind of shafted in terms of a lot of discussions where people think, oh, well, you know, he's not as good as he's not a Hall of Fame player. He's not this or that. And maybe I maybe I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I will say if you look at just some of the things he was able to accomplish um, just with literally zero help <laughs> is, yeah, is pretty impressive. And just the fact that, listen, he, whether you like it or not, he was the guy in Columbus and he's the reason that there you see so many young players emerging in the league now who are from, you know, the Ohio area. They were all grew up Rick Nash fans and he, you know, he was Mr. Blue Jacket. So uh, I think it's well-deserved. I, I didn't really mind Rick's tenure here. I knew I kind of gleaned early on that, okay, this, this is not the same guy I was watching, you know, a scant five years earlier, you know, but Underrated defensive player, um, and he just had a knack because of his ranginess to score some really awesome-looking goals. You know what I mean? Uh, just, just wasn't. You know, his personality was really low-key, and he was just wasn't a swinging. Uh, you know, you know what type of player? He was just more of the to himself, quiet guy who could just. You know, I think people kind of knocked him for not being more of an alpha brash. You know, whatever type, but. Uh, yeah, he's still a, a phenomenal player. And he, listen, his his body work in the NHL speaks for itself. And I, you know, honestly, kudos to him because there were still options for him to play. If you, you should, everyone should listen to uh, his interview on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast because he kind of talks about it that he had the option to keep playing. You know, there were teams that were interested in him. Apparently, he was going to go back to Columbus, but he just sat down with doctors and they just he's had x many concussions and he talked to his family and he made the right choice and said you know my health is more important so yeah kudos to him um and now he's uh transitioning to a front office role with the blue jackets and he's learning on the job and he's doing the grunt work and uh yeah i you know i, I a lot of there are a lot of ranger fans that are still really bitter over his tenure here but i'm i'm not one of them i think it's well deserved and i'm, I'm happy for him and I'm happy, honestly, I'm happy for fans of the Blue Jackets because this is the first number they've ever gotten to retire. They're not going to retire. I, they, they don't currently have anyone else who's even in that consideration for them who's stuck around long enough. Maybe Wierenski if he sticks around there for the remainder of his career. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really important step for that organization to establish a lineage, you know, especially when you go to the Garden or Detroit, the, you know, when I said the job, or Detroit or the Maple Leafs and you see like all the history and the banners everywhere. They, they don't really have that. So the fact that they can kind of get that in this through, you know, through Rick is a uh, really cool for them. So yeah, happy, happy for Rick. And I'm happy more, more importantly, I'm happy for Columbus Blue Jackets fans. Cause I think it's a, a cool thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, to me, Rick Nash is one of those guys that uh, unfortunately he gets put into that you know, group of Rangers that weren't able to get it done. Right. And, you know, you think of, you know, Lundqvist and, you know, on on the forward side, Rick Nash was supposed to be kind of that guy, that savior. You know, Gabrick is another one of those guys. And, you know, it's it just uh, it's unfortunate that we spent the last couple. Well, we spent really Hank's career just 
bringing in guys that just ultimately failed at the end of the day. But, you know, again, you're exactly right. You know, concussions got the best of them, which is unfortunate. And just, you know, I guess our luck as Ranger fans. And, you know, you can't say that the guy didn't, you know, put forth a, a decent effort. I mean, he had some great seasons. He had some great moments with us. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of Ranger fans will always bring up, you know, his inability to get anything done in the playoffs, which, you know, obviously, you know, sucks. But uh, we all know that the playoffs are a different game. It's just a different type of style. And it didn't, you know, it didn't correlate very well with Rick Nash and his status of, you know, concussions and his health, overall health. So there wasn't much that he could do. And, and it's unfortunate that he was, you know, not able to get it done with the New York Rangers. But uh, like you said, it is really important for the Columbus Blue Jackets to, you know, you know, put his number in the rafters. And uh, I think it's good for him and good for the organization and to have a player like him there to kind of, you know, show that, you know, you know, that there is, there is a path to, you know, kind of be memorial. I don't even know memorialized as a word, but just, um, you know, kind of be celebrated within the league, even if you're in an organization that, you know, might not be like, you know, Boston, you know, Rangers, you know, uh, Detroit, you know, the original six with, you know, um, you know, a lot of history there that, you know, there is an opportunity for your name to hang up somewhere and, and, you know, you, you can be remembered as a, one of the great players of that organization and kind of, you know, be one of the, you know, pioneers to do it in organizations that like, you know, obviously Vegas is going to eventually have to have, you know, some numbers raised and, you know, Seattle and, you know, it just, I don't know. I think it's a good thing overall for hockey to have a player like Rick Nash, you know, kind of be idolized and remembered in, in, in Columbus. So um that's everything i got for you Andy. you got anything for me um you know i think the only thing is as we were signing off here i, I know it's a little interesting bit that uh, matthew robertson was scratched last night for the hartford Wolfpack, and um there doesn't believe there was no reports of an injury or anything so uh just kind of interesting i mean he's definitely a, a piece that rangers would most likely use in a trade so who knows maybe um you know where there's smoke there might be fire thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at broadway boys pod and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or the hockey podcast you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.